0: Norfolk, with fresh troops turned the tide of fortune in the yorkists favor desperate to escape the lancastrian armies headed down the steep valley slopes of the cock beck only to drown or be cut down as they tried to use the bodies of the dead as rafts to cross to safety many had thrown off their heavy armor and helmets in order to run faster "'making themselves more vulnerable to the enemy arrows raining down from above. "'One bridge collapsed under the weight of the fleeing army, "'and many survivors were swept away in the freezing waters. "'The Croyland Chronicle describes the blood of the slain mingling with the snow "'and running down the furrows and ditches "'while the bodies piled up for a distance of ten miles out of the field. "'Those who fled to nearby York were hunted down and killed,' except for Henry VI and his family, exiled in Scotland. At the end of the day, there was only one king left in England. Triumphantly, Edward IV rode south to arrange his formal coronation. Chapter 1. The Rising Star, 1466-1469 to "'Is possible your rash, unlawful act "'should not breed mortal hate betwixt the realms? "'What may the French king think when he shall hear "'that whilst you sent to entreat about his daughter, "'basely you take a subject of your own?' "'It was time the new king married,' Three years had passed since his victory at Totem and the spectacular coronation in Westminster Abbey when two archbishops had placed the heavy, jewelled crown of Edward the Confessor on his head. Entering the massive Gothic structure of flying buttresses, ribbed vaulting and pointed arches, he had been following in 400 years of tradition where every English monarch had been crowned since 1066. The procession must have been a blaze of colour, with the city's aldermen dressed in scarlet and four hundred mounted Londoners in green. Twenty-eight newly created knights of the Bath followed, in blue gowns with white silk hoods. Mindful of the recent conflict, Edward had issued a promise to protect his people from oppression and manslaughter. His subjects, in turn, received him with rapturous acclaim. The commons love and adore him as if he were their god, wrote one, which was confirmed by an awestruck Italian diplomat. Others presented him as a saviour comparable to Moses and Joshua. His iconography drew on prophecies and astrological devices like the Sun of York, later immortalised by Shakespeare. Physically, he conformed to medieval concepts of kingship and majesty, in an era when rulers were recognisable primarily through looking the part. Taller than most of his contemporaries by about a foot, fair-haired and handsome, he was described as the handsomest knight in England, the handsomest prince my eyes ever beheld, in possession of a beauty it had pleased almighty God to send to him. It seemed to many that Edward was God's chosen king, sent to replace the weak-willed and uncharismatic Lancastrian usurper. By 1464, Edward's counsellors were keen to see him advantageously married. Many had marvelled that he had remained single for so long, considering his personal and political situation. The existence of the deposed Henry VI and his son would always provide a figurehead for rebellion, so the tenuous Yorkist position could only be consolidated by a union with a powerful, established foreign dynasty and the birth of a Plantagenet heir. Plus, the young king was gaining something of a reputation. One chronicler described him as not over-chaste in living, and according to another he had already fathered at least one illegitimate child by one of his many mistresses. His licentious reputation had quickly spread. The Burgundian chronicler, Philip de Comines, wrote that he thought nothing but upon women, while the Italian writer Dominic Mancini claimed he pursued women of all ranks indiscriminately, overcoming all by money and promises. In early September 1464, Parliament met at Reading Abbey, where the assembled councillors were preparing to conclude what was expected to be...